0: Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe, Tom answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. The God.
1: I was going to say, congratulations to you, Dennis, but Annette, I'm not sure what I would say to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Lord be with you. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dennis, for reading this morning. Uh, We're circling back around this morning to our message series that we were in the middle of after Mother's Day and last week Allie preaching while I was in Washington, D.C. We're coming back around to our, our sermon series titled, And God Smiled. We're trying to progress through kind of a stretching of our imagination to re-envision God as something other than just an angry presence or a distant present in our world. To think of God as one who also smiles at moments in our lives. God who smiled at a wedding feast. God who smiled at new life when a young son was raised from the dead. God who smiled at full devotion of a young woman. And now God who smiles... At a moment of faith and belief. The idea that I hope that you hang on to today is simply this. That God desires to do whatever it is that will inspire you to have faith in God's Son Jesus. And in what that can do for your life. That when that faith appears, God smiles. When that faith becomes faithfulness, God continues smile. As some of you know, I spent the last couple of weeks in Washington, D.C. at Wesley Seminary. I took my first two classes for a doctorate in church leadership excellence. I still have no idea what I'm doing or why, but I learned a lot of things. And one of the things that's, that's always kind of, you know, you go away to a training or you go away, to take some classes, you want to come back and tell everybody about it, right, I have no idea what it is that I'm supposed to tell you about, so you are off the hook for today. Because I'm still wrestling with some of that, concepts and kind of those kinds of things. But one of the things you also know about me is, is I grew up in the Baptist tradition. That is my roots, my origin in the Christian faith. You also know that uh, I've been previously married. And anybody who knows anything about the Baptist tradition and a call to ministry... You have the call to ministry with somebody who's been previously married, and what do you get? Zero, right? The big fat goose egg. Because in my tradition that I grew up in, someone who had been previously married was no longer eligible to lead a church in that tradition. You had to be the husband of just one wife and faithful to that wife all of your life to be able to lead in that tradition. So for many years I wandered and. And doubted that I would ever be able to live out a call in ministry. Now, I know what's popped into some of your heads. You're probably wondering if I should still be on that journey, right? Thinking and wondering about. It. I love it. Wheaton's told a wonderful story a couple of weeks ago about a pastor who had a woman that doubted his kind of concept of ministry and they were always constantly in, in kind of this tension between the two of them. The pastor was out visiting parishioners in the town one day and decided that he would just simply drop by her house and visit with her. We'll call her Mrs. Freshbloom, Bloom, protecting the not so innocent maybe. But he wound up on her porch and he knocked on the front door. The front door was closed and He thought it kind of odd, a little curious, because the lights were on in the house. And she had a window fan that was running at full speed. And the television was on at a fairly significant volume. And the best clue was the car was still in the driveway. So he knew that she was probably home, right? Now this is one of those old homes that had the key kind of hole in the front of the door that if you bent down on one knee, you could look through it and you could see inside the house. How many of you remember those kinds of doors, right? The keyhole in the door. So he bent down on one knee and he looked through the keyhole of the door and guess what he saw? An eyeball looking back at it. Mrs. Freshbloom was on one knee looking back out through him. And he said to her, he said, Mrs. Freshbloom, I do believe this is the first time you and I have ever seen eye to eye. Right? You think about the times where we have doubts about other people and what they are capable of doing or their calling. But I think we also recognize that within our own lives, many of us have doubts about ourselves. We have doubts about our own capabilities. We have doubts that are lasting. We have doubts that are fleeting. They come in various forms, shapes, and sizes. But the one I want to ask you about today is is Jesus, the topic of Jesus, and your belief or your doubt. Because some of us could doubt that Jesus was a historical figure in time. Some of us might doubt that Jesus loves us as we are. Some of us might doubt that Jesus wants us to become like Him or to have faith in Him. We could doubt that Jesus even wants us to follow Him in such a way that we become a faithful disciple that looks and acts and talks like Him. We have doubts. And that doubt has a certain level of power. In our lives. It can keep us separated from God. It can keep us separated from a community of people. It can even keep us separated from our truest selves in God. You think about the story that we read in in the fourth gospel. And what transpires in this moment. If you look at the context of what transpires in this. It's a storyline of a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus from the dead. He has appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden outside the tomb, and she has told the disciples of this, which they did not believe And then he appears to the disciples who find themselves in an upper room locked behind closed doors. Jesus comes in that moment. The story, as it's written in John, leads us to believe that Thomas was not present in that moment of the first appearing to the disciples, that Thomas was somewhere else. And when the disciples told Thomas that Jesus was raised from the dead and that they had personally seen him, he said, I will not believe in this until I can put my hands on the nail scars in his own hands, until I can stick my hand in the side where the spear pierced him. That was Thomas's requirement for faith And for belief. And eight days later, as the story says, the disciples are all gathered together in a locked room. Thomas is present. Jesus appears to them and says, Peace be with you. Thomas, come and touch my hands. Put your hand in my side. And Thomas simply says in that moment, My Lord and my God. Nothing in the reading of the story indicates to us that Thomas ever touched Jesus. Nothing in the story leads us to believe that Jesus took his hand and forced him to touch the nail scars and the pierced side. But what we know is is that Thomas made a profession in that moment. A confession of faith, my Lord and my God. A moment where he stated belief and faith. Mary Magdalene stated this and was not believed. The disciples stated this and was not believed. And in this moment, Thomas makes his profession of faith and does believe. And Jesus says to him, you have seen, and because of that, faith has come, belief has come. How greater is the faith and belief of those who will not see. How great. Will the faith be in the midst of our doubt and our opportunities to see how great will it be for those of us who have not seen Jesus and yet come to believe in God's power of the resurrection and the new life that Jesus offers to us and the power of the Spirit to be able to live and dwell each and every day? How great will it be for us to profess that faith and to live into it? Thomas's belief, Thomas' profession of faith, I believe caused God to smile in that moment. Our belief, our profession of faith, I also believe, causes God to smile. But we struggle with the pace of life. We struggle with the nature of life. And how easy is it for sometimes that doubt to come right back in, the doubt of the existence of God, the doubt that can imprison us in our lives And so we ask ourselves today, what is it going to take for us to see anew, to see afresh so that we might have faith that continues day in and day out? Is it for some of us to see Jesus ourselves today? Is it for some of us to touch Jesus in a new way? Or to have Jesus do something in your life? I think of it from this way. To see Jesus today. What would that look like for us to see Jesus today? Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a noted German theologian. He was an active resistor of Hitler and the Nazi movement in Germany during World War II. In, In the late 1930s, Bonhoeffer came to Union Theological Seminary in New York City and taught for a year. But he writes that that was a year of restlessness for him because he continued to see everything that was going on in his native land of Germany. It is said that Bonhoeffer noted and and wrote about this that he had to go back to Germany after that year of being here in the States, even though he could have stayed here all the way to the end of the war. And he said, I must return to Germany, knowing that if I had stayed and not done anything against the Nazi regime and to fight its oppression, I would have never been able to return. And so, he saw Jesus in a moment, encountered the risen Christ, went back to Germany, and in that moment also joined the confessing church movement and the resistance against the Nazis and was executed for his part in the assassination attempts of Adolf Hitler. Seeing Jesus may call us to stand against oppression and injustice in the world around us, but you think of it this way too. Some of us may need to touch the wounds of Jesus. We may be like Thomas and want to touch the nail-scarred hands and the pierced side. What would that look like for us today? I'm going to give you two examples, I think, that, that are preeminent in that. Baby Grace is one of our ministries to the people of our community who are in desperate need and have children who are in need as well. And I think on a given Saturday when you gather with them, you have an opportunity to see the very wounds of Christ, the poor and the oppressed, the marginalized and the downtrodden in Kansas City, and an opportunity to serve with them as you serve them. But I also conceive of it this way, that it's not just in our community, that it is in... Lands and villages far away from our community. In Nicaragua, we have the opportunity and the potential to partner with an organization that's well-established, knows what they are doing, and daily works with the fresh wounds of Christ in these small farming communities. We have a chance to touch those lives near and far. For others of us, though, to conceive of this, what it means for us to have faith and belief is for Christ to do something in our lives. There's a documentary titled, Let the Church Say Amen. It's about a pastor in his community in Washington, D.C. The pastor's name is Bobby Russell. If you watch the documentary, he talks about being a drug addict at one point in his life. And the fact that he lost his house, his car, his job, and almost lost his family. But when he encountered the risen Christ, it was an immediate transformation of his life. When Jesus touched him, he didn't need Rahab, he didn't need methadone, he didn't need any of those things as his own testimony. That it was a dramatic, instantaneous transformation. Some of us may need something different than the dramatic. We might need the ever-present hand of Christ upon us constantly working within us to bring about that healing. Others of us, to meet the risen Christ, might be an immediate change for us. But here's what I've come to understand. To understand about faith and to understand about tradition is that it's not simply just about us, dear friends. It's about the world beyond us as well. For the world to have faith in Christ and belief in Christ means that we as disciples must bring that and display it in our own lives. For the world needs to see Jesus as much as we do. The world needs to be touched by Jesus like we do. The world needs to be transformed by Jesus as much as any of us. And it needs a community, a people, that will go and say, My Lord and my God as its own profession of faith and belief. And when that happens... I can see God smile. Here's what I hope that you take away from today in in our simple moments together. To be reminded that, yes, doubt is a part of our world. It's a part of almost every single one of our lives. And that when Jesus appeared to Thomas, He gave him exactly what he needed. God bent down and looked Thomas in the eye and gave him what he needed for belief and faith. And then an encounter with Jesus for each one of us, God can do the same. He can bring it to us anew and afresh so that we might take it to the world in that same way. So here's your invitation for today. Take an opportunity to look around you today. See Jesus in this hour of worship and know that Christ the Lord is risen and has bent down to look you in the eye today. And maybe reach out and touch Him. Touch Christ today in a new way to experience the grace of God that is ever-present for you. And then take it outside of these doors to your community so that the presence of Christ might live in the world around us and through us. Whatever your disbelief or your doubt, the risen Christ is here today ready to give you what you need so that you might live in faith and in a faith that leads to faithfulness. And God will smile. Will you join me in prayer? Merciful God, we come before you today recognizing that some of us may be Mary Magdalene. We have seen the risen Christ we have faith and we live in the power of your Spirit for faithfulness. We pray that you will continue to lead and guide us as we go and serve in your power and in your presence. And You may you smile upon our ministries, for they are in your love and in your name. Some of us may be the disciples hiding behind the doors today. We pray that you appear among us and in your presence Give us faith. We know that the world needs communities who are strong in faith and living faithfully through our ministries. And so we ask that You grant us the power of Your present Spirit that we might also be that community living in faith and living faithfully. Some of us may be Thomas today. We're asking for tangible evidence of Your love Your existence as the God of creation who is all in all. We pray that you reveal yourself to us today. Help us to see, hear, touch you so that we might profess you as our Lord, our God. Meet us all where we are. Grant to us the faith we desire so that we might be a faithful presence of love and grace in the world around us. And on this Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here so that we might live in faith and faithfulness the remainder of our days. And all this we ask in Jesus' name.